I think we have one of the most underrated stories for, for humor with just that twist today. Let's jump into Mary Elizabeth by Jesse Redmond Fawcett today and really break down kind of what makes this story tick. I like this story. It's good. It's fun. Yeah, it's wholesome. It is. It is. <laughs> Welcome to the Codex Cantina where I am Una. And I am Mary Crypto? No, that doesn't make sense. I'll just be crypto. <laughs> if you are new to the Codex Cantina, we are bringing up some of the most important literature that has influenced even to today's authors. We are looking at Mary Elizabeth today. If you are down for a conversational approach to literature, make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us. And as always, we start off with publication information. Mary Elizabeth was published in the Crisis Magazine on December 19th, 1919. And we'll leave a link down in the description below where you can read for free. Jesse Redmond Fawcett was an African-American writer and wrote actually for The Crisis, the article in which this was published, which kind of helped her push her stories out into the public. And from the Wikipedia, her literary work helped sculpt African-American literature in the 1920s as she focused on portraying a true image of African-American life in history. Her black fictional characters were working professionals, which was an inconceivable concept to American society during this time. Yeah, I think Fawcett here is an incredible exemplary author of the Harlem Renaissance and what it meant to bring this culture from the South to the North and spread it throughout and become an identity of American culture itself. So for plot, our narrator is Sally Pearson. So we kind of get a very limited introspection is what I would say. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> so Sally and Roger Pearson have a strained relationship with minimal communication and they tend not to each other's desires. For example, Roger doesn't play her favorite card games and she doesn't really perform the typical stereotypical wife duties of the time. Now, one day, Mary Elizabeth, their maid, is late and Sally and Roger are thus in a tizzy and can't even manage uh, making breakfast all on their own. <laughs> So ridiculous. So Sally kind of scorches the coffee, whips together some gummy bread, and finally Miss Elizabeth arrives, and uh, they eat the disgust, and she eats the disgusting cakes and coffee without complaint. And there's some interesting backstory here with the first husband, Mr. Gale, versus Mr. Gales, her second, her sister with eight kids, and her father, who had married four different times. She lived a life of divorce and much different from Sally's is what we're supposed to kind of gather from this section, I believe. And that's when she drops the line that her parents had been slaves. And that's the reason that they were separated because the white men had sold her father, not because of any separation of, of, of reason on their own will is, is kind of how we're supposed to take that. So this kind of explains why she was living with her stepfather and her sister when her father had come sniffing around trying to find her his old wife again. And just due to the circumstances, they were unable to kind of reconnect the life that they once had. So Mary Elizabeth kind of leaves the house in the present tense and Sally and her husband kind of trying to reevaluate their marriage and their love for each other. And they're still not communicating or on the same page at the end is, is kind of what the plot goes through. It's kind of a somber ending there, right? It is. And, and I think that's what we need to talk about is the flip of tone with the story because the opening of this story is hilarious. There is a lot of humor, and I hope if you are reading this or even were forced to read it as a part of a class, I hope you could see some of the fun in the opening part with the, you know, like you had the Mr. Gale versus the Gales, and there's even irony in Gales, like, you know, chasing the Gale, a Gale of wind in a sense. 
Yeah, I love this beginning of this and, you know, where it says she can't even cook breakfast, lunch, or supper. I can't get a breakfast. I can't manage a dinner. One just puts the roast in the oven and takes it out again. I really excel in getting lunch. <laughs> it's just funny of like, I, how dare you think, expect me to be able to cook this. I excel in eating. <laughs> it really, it sets this tone like, oh, wow, this is going to be kind of a jovial story, right? right? And then you get the mic drop in the middle of it. They're like, oh, yeah, guess what? My parents were slaves. And you're right. like, oh. And at that point, you see the flip for the rest of the story all the way to the end of where it just kind of goes down this very laden path of, I don't want to say negativity, but definitely takes a tonal shift and I, I love that you're able to include both of those feelings in this story. And they're both it's done very well on both realms. Well, it works for me too, because I feel like that that line drop when my parents were slaves. Up until that point, being a moment of comedy, if you follow genre theory, usually comedy start out zany, which this was zany, right? People are late waking up and oh, how can I cook breakfast? And it's actually even funny, they're late waking up, right? But then she's literally just following Mary Elizabeth around room to room. <laughs> she's telling this long story. And it's just like, look, honey, if you're late, you need to get be doing something else. It's just really humorous the way it's all kind of zany in the beginning, right? But we're kind of almost as an audience member trying to pass judgment of, well, why is Mary Elizabeth so different, right? Is, is this a, a story of how Sally and Roger... They're almost dysfunctional with not even being able to cook, and the husband blames her for not sending you know sending him out hungry to work. But they're they're almost together in a sense. And then we have the foil with Mary Elizabeth, where she's been married a couple times. Her father had been married four times. We're kind of asking the question of like, well, what's what's going on with Mary Elizabeth, and why are there multiple you know marriages? And I think some people may even start kind of passing judgment on these characters of like, well, are they lazy? Is that why they're not cooking? Is something wrong with this person? Is that why they've been remarried four times? Is is there a reason why this, you know, Mary Elizabeth has been married a couple times? Are we going to discover that? We're passing judgment onto these characters in the beginning, thinking that it's, it's their decisions, right? Or, or something might, you know, have forced them down that path. And then that line drop happens. And that's when you realize, oh, that first, you know, divorce from her parents wasn't their choice, right? That's that's when we're starting to come back into the slavery era. Yeah, so I think in the, the beginning of setup of kind of portraying these people as lazy in this comical sense of like you don't like them. And I think that's on purpose. And then you get the the line drop and it kind of shifts your tone with the tonal shift of the story itself. And it really starts to set up this theme of, well, why is that? And I think that goes into kind of this idea of their age. And you don't realize how old these people kind of are. And you're like, oh, now I kind of get it of, of why they feel this way. Well, and it, it dates them too, right? Because if I have my timeline correct, Mary Elizabeth was born and then her father was traded, which means slavery was still active. So I don't think I realized it when I was reading the story until this moment that she is literally the last generation to be born into slavery. So we are immediately in uh, Reconstruction. And now I feel like, okay, well, Fawcett's really changing the picture now because, you know, in the slavery era, the, the slaves didn't have much power. 
right, in terms of, of who they could marry, what religion. And there's even quotes in this part where they're talking about how their, their slave owners would force religion upon them. Well, they can't do that because they're religious because of the slave owners. We see some of the intergenerational trauma that slavery has caused families in terms of, you know, breaking up families, in terms of religions and ways of thoughts being forced onto them from the slave owners, all kind of writing out this storm in the story that you didn't even see coming from what is ultimately kind of a funny comical opening. Yeah, and I think with somebody like Roger, you at first don't like this guy and you think, man, he's kind of a jerk, right? He's inconsiderate, he he's stubborn, but then you start to realize that this is because of the time period and the upbringing and you become a little bit more sympathetic when you start to realize what he has gone through and the growth of him as a person, an individual, and why this relationship might be so strained. I'll say this. So something that makes this piece work for me, and maybe I'm thinking too much into this, but stay with me here for a second. Why does the okay. comedy work so well here with this flip? And I want to tie this in with this with this slavery concept, right? Okay. So in terms of, of tragedy, typically that's the loss of something, and it's usually something that you own or that is important to you, right? And what I think is interesting about comedy is sometimes people will use that to mask pain to mask trauma in their life. And that's clearly something that is being brought into this picture with, with Fawcett here, is this intergenerational trauma and the loss of family. I think we're using comedy almost as kind of one of those masks to hide the pains that we feel inside. That's part of why um, we have Mary Elizabeth with all of this comedy in the beginning, because she is covering up just this painful and hardened past of things being thrust upon her. And I think that also explains, to an extent, maybe why she's so, you know, possessive over her one hat. She has all these other hats given to her. Why is she so possessive over this one hat? And I think in terms of the era that she was born, in terms of the last generation born into slavery, the hat is the only thing that she truly owns, right? That's her, so she gets to decide what to do with it. That's in stark contrast, in, even into the story, where in slavery— the, the mother and the father didn't even own their own marriage, right? When, the, when Cassius came back, we have that quote, Oh, Cassius, she says, I can't go with you. I'm married again, and this time, for real. So even the mother is acknowledging to an extent that their marriage, their first marriage under slavery, which isn't acknowledged by, by law and by white men, wasn't real. It wasn't theirs to own. So that's why Mary Elizabeth is seeking something to own and uses almost comedy as kind of a cover for all of this trauma that she's experienced in her life and her family's life from an intergenerational trauma perspective. Yeah. And I think that if you kind of take, you know, I'm going to steal your word here, that love as trauma, oof, that's hard because love is supposed to be sweet. And here it is, it's like the worst thing in the world for them because they can't legally get married. And I love another quote that's similar right next to yours. It says, if it had been Cassius, I had married 50 times and came back and found you married to someone else. I killed you, killed you. And I love the repetition there of, you know, this is something where I think they're realizing that material possessions aren't so, I think they're realizing that material possessions aren't supposed to be important, but sometimes material possessions tie to emotion and that's the significance like of the hat here linked to kind of that idea of marriage in these relationships 
and it, they both both of our examples tie back to the concept of ownership, right? Yep. Yeah. Her owning the hat. Yeah. And isn't and, and, and isn't and is that the else. concept of slavery too? Is that they were owning individuals? Yeah. Or they were they were owned themselves, right? So whether you whether you agree with us that this flipped into a tragedy or not, I really like this comment from the text where they say the unspeakable tragedy of it. And I think to me that just really spoke to the mask that we can put on things and put on stuff that we didn't even realize that this was being set up to be a tragedy and we were wearing the comedy mask until that line drop. It's a very, to me, this is actually ought to be a very famous line drop. It reminds me a little bit, if you remember, there's a very famous work, The Overcoat by Nikolai Gogol. Yeah. You have this very funny and comical and whimsical look at the character and then there's one line, it's a very famous line, that flips the audience's view, where instead of viewing them as a character and kind of like a funny look at this person who's late and doesn't take their hat till two to three hours till after they've been there and, uh, you know, eats the, the gummy cold hotcakes and stuff like that, you have this line and you'll notice all the comedy just drops. And that's when we're faced to look at the real Mary Elizabeth, the real situation under her hand. And I think it was just done very well from from a from a writing perspective. Yeah. And I think that ultimately, whether you agree or disagree with kind of our point of this is I think that Fawcett's true intent would here was to bring this idea of slavery to the northern part during the Harlem Renaissance and ultimately say, you know, uh, whether you went through these tragedies of being owned or not, we should treasure people and that, that we should treasure the time that we get with them because you never know when they're going to be taken away. And in our case, they were sold, but it might not be something that is, you know, not finite like being sold where, you know, death is finite. Mm. Uh, her, her dad wasn't killed. He, he was gone. She just didn't get to see him for like, what, 26 years or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. I I think that let me, let me add on to that here. Listen to this part. Okay. So something you said just resonated with me about the Harlem Renaissance too. You'll notice the story is basically the juxtaposition of Mary Elizabeth, a Southerner born under slavery rule coming up to, to the North, because you'll notice they called the Pearsons were from Pennsylvania. Her and her ancestors never experienced slavery. And you'll notice there's clearly a, conversation about work ethic and worldview even between you know the these two these two very different upbringings between a black northerner and a southern northerner and the life experiences and the work ethic that they bring to the world and why they perhaps work differently i wonder we would have to look more into it is this potentially a conversational about the harlem renaissance and what certain people have gone through versus haven't gone through and what the expectations are of what they're supposed to do now that they're together, right? Maybe that's something that she's trying to get in there as well. So I yeah. think there's a lot that you can pull out from this piece. Very, very deep piece. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Probably a pretty underrated author, if you ask me, particularly for short stories, at least. So we'll leave a, a faucet playlist down below if you want to check out more talks of ours as we you know, dive more into her and some of her uh, you know, compatriots worked at the time. Uh, Crypto, let's move into our subjective ratings. And guys, if you share or like this video or comment down below, it helps us out. What are you going to rate this one? I'm going to give this one just one solid rating, uh, kind of like I normally do. And I'm going to say that this is a 7.5. 
I really, really enjoyed the story. I think it's solid. It, it's not perfect. I have a few issues with it. it. Made me laugh, so I'm always gonna, you know, be on the positive side with it. Uh, not perfect. Few problems, you know, here or there. I would like to see a little bit more fleshed out characters, and uh, I, I think that she could have gone somewhere a little better, maybe at the end. Uh, with the story to nail Homer point, because again, we were kind of wishy-washy of what was she trying to get out of this, or what was she trying to convey to maybe a white audience, uh, you know, during the Harlem Renaissance, because I don't know, uh, obviously I'm not living during that time period, but I think that we might be the ideal uh, audience for this piece. Uh, so uh, 7.5, good story, I think that definitely unappreciated and something that you should check out. I don't know. I, I, I might even disagree with that last statement where I might even say, I, I'm not sure she wrote this for the white audience. I, I, this is, this, this clearly has their influence on it. Right. But some of this conversation about the Northern blacks versus the Southern blacks and uh, maybe what kind of came out of it, I think is rather interesting. And, and maybe like you said, it's out of our cultural worldview and experience, I guess, in a sense, right? This did come out in 1919 to, on December <laughs> Definitely 19th. out of our experience, right? right? <laughs> lots of, lots of 19s, right? So, yeah. so I just think I, I probably had a little bit more fun with it. I, I thought it was definitely very interesting. I'll, I'll give it an 8.5. I would love to see this one um, maybe studied and, and assigned more in schools. I think it's a good discussion piece. Definitely. I think maybe I need to read it another time and uh, maybe my, my enjoyment would go up and you know, I'd give it an 8, 8 or 8.5 if I read it again and we had a little bit more discussion about it. It's definitely one that I think is uh, approachable, rereadable, and can improve with each read pass through. Right. Well, all right, guys, if you've enjoyed today's conversation, we would love it if you would subscribe to join us on this literature discussion. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. I would love to hear your comments down below. You know, what did you guys think of this story? Is this something that resonated with you? Luna out. Peace.